the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Asking the question of the ages... Who is that masked man anyway? We'll find out coming up in a moment. Meanwhile, we start off by saying good afternoon. Welcome. Five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on your basic Thursday, August 4th edition of Lifeline. Hope you're doing well. Great to have you with us. And always a privilege to spend some time on your uh, afternoon commute home or getting ready for dinner, whatever might be on the agenda. Delighted that you have decided to take us along, and we are going to do our best to make sure the time is uh, worth your while. Much to talk about on today's program, and should it be any surprise to any of us that the ink barely dry on the Supreme Court decision that says federal-level decisions related to abortions, nope, that belongs to the state's. And no sooner does the Supreme Court, after 49 and a half years of debate and discussion, reverse itself and say this is a states-level matter, that once again the federal government tries to interject itself. Witness a new executive order signed by the president just yesterday that would allow Medicaid funds to be used to facilitate travel for women seeking abortions in states where the procedure is illegal. Many would argue in direct violation of the Hyde Amendment, which prohibits federal financing of abortion. But, of course, this wouldn't be the first time that the Hyde Amendment is totally ignored. Let's get more details now. Brian Johnston joins us, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, author of the best-selling book, The Evil Twins, Roe and Doe, How the Supreme Court Unleashed Medical Killing. He is also the host of Life Matters, which comes your way Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. right here on KFAX. And I, I, I guess, Brian, it should not surprise any of us. It would only take a matter of weeks before the other shoe dropped and the federal government in some shape or form, in this case in the shape and form of an executive order, would attempt once again to interject itself into the national abortion debate. It is extraordinary, Craig, and I think it's important that people recognize that now that finally states, and by state, that means you as a voter, you actually can raise your voice and say, I would like my state to protect the lives of these vulnerable innocents. Now that democracy can go into effect, this executive order prohibits democracy. This is not democracy. This is a federal intrusion into the states. It is, in fact, this is it's not democracy, and it's not a republic. This is an autocratic despotism by the federal government. And we're seeing that this is the form of government that progressives seek to employ. They don't want democracy. 
You know, democracy is you being able to vote. A republic is the use of democracy, but a republic recognizes there's higher laws. There's a constitution to which that voting must respect. You just can't vote something in because you have 51%, and now suddenly it's mob rule. We can do what we want. In a republic, that voting has to answer to higher laws. That's what a republic is all about. And as Franklin said back at the founding of the nation when he was asked, what kind of government are we going to get? He said, well, we're giving you a republic if you can keep it. The problem is very few people understand what a republic is. We now have been given, under the Dobbs decision, the right to protect children in each and every state and to vote in those into office. This terrifies the abortion industry and the autocrats that are currently running our government. So they're forcing, you know, it's not just Biden and the federal government, literally today, Craig, our governor, also an autocrat and a despot in his use of law, he is telling Hollywood they are not to go into states and produce films that are in states that are protecting babies. And he's telling Hollywood, the Hollywood industry, they're not to do that. What on earth? This is complete abuse of governmental powers. He did the same thing two weeks ago regarding travel of state employees. They were not to go into any states that were, uh, what was that, uh, if there was transgender laws or, or marriage laws in those states, they were not to go. But he actually said it from Montana where he was vacationing, one of the states that were prohibited. So these are autocrats. They get to be the king. They get to use their power, not in a democratic sense, and certainly not in the sense of a republic. These are autocratic despots, and we have to recognize that. Craig, the only thing we can do is make sure that we vote in November. This coming election cycle is going to be critical across the board for our state, for our nation, for the protection of life, but really for the preservation of our republic as we know it. Help me understand something here, Brian, because as I mentioned at the onset, one of the aspects of this that is troubling beyond the attempt to try and step in and essentially uh, uh, reverse this high court uh, conclusion that this is really a state's right issue and therefore should be addressed and debated at the state level, not at the federal level, then to have the president come in and sign off on this executive order, it's using Medicaid funds, which are federal dollars that would allow women to essentially travel across state lines in order to procure an abortion. How does this not ultimately then be viewed as in violation of the Hyde Amendment would essentially prohibits the use of federal funding for abortion. Oh, oh, clearly does. But that doesn't matter to despots. That's that's what we're, the law is whatever they say. They are, that's literally what the word dictator means. It means I have spoken. They dictate what the law is. That's it. I've dictated it. And that is not the form of government that we have in the U.S., but that's what's being tolerated now. And the media 
doesn't seem to mind. They actually are fanning the flames with this. So it's up to those who care about what's true, who care about what is self-evident truth. And we have to take back wherever we can. We've talked about it before. Your best chance in these elections is very, very local because they can't stuff ballot boxes for a school board. There's not enough fake ballots they can come up with. Your best chance to stop the bad guys is to protect your children and your local school board. These are very close races, but then all the way up the ballot. And this year in California, they actually have a constitutional amendment that will force every taxpayer in California to pay for all abortions, even late-term abortions, and it'll be in the Constitution, and you won't be able to change it. So this election cycle, very important. If you're not in the habit of, of voting, please understand that's what's at stake. Our republic's at stake. Our republic uses democracy, your right to vote. But these people are employing despotism. This is not proper, and you've got to vote them out at every level. We've seen that at school boards where, where the elected school board says, well, we don't care if you're the parent. We're, we're elected. We have power. So you shut up and go home. You're terrorists if you want to speak to what we educate. No, that's despotism. That's not democracy. That's not a representative form of government either. It's not a republic. That's despotism. And you must be willing to say, I'm sorry. I am not going to put up with that. We're voting these people out. And it needs to be done all the way up and all the way down the ballot. And that's what's at stake now in this coming election. And they know it. They're terrified of your vote. And they're terrified that babies will be protected. So that's why we're seeing this. Would you suspect in the meanwhile that there is a likelihood this is going to be challenged in court? And and if so, would you anticipate that the high court, whatever court level, would hear this case, would determine that the executive order is null and void because it in so many ways flies directly in the face of the recently decided Supreme Court decision on this matter? Yes, that's a possibility indeed. The problem is is that our natural allies in that process, the court system, that is to say the Justice Department, that is to say the the uh, resources of the federal government are inclined to use all of those resources against such a decision. And so we are dealing with, this is the inverse uh, of Abraham Lincoln. If you can think in history, we've always paralleled the abortion issue with the slavery issue, and it is in many ways the same issue. Can you own another human being? Can you kill a human being you supposedly own? That was the assertion of slavery. And that's the assertion in abortion. And it took Lincoln, and it took incredible, but it still had to be voted on. So don't think it was just the war. It still needs to be voted on in each and every state whether or not the laws would protect slaves and free them. And the same is true of unborn lives. It's up to the voters to participate and make sure you elect people who will speak up for the innocent but what this particular president is doing, he is the, the antipodal, the exact opposite 
of what Abraham Lincoln wanted. Abraham Lincoln used the resources of the federal government. He used every possibility, and some people say he abused some of them. But he made sure that the federal government gave every possible deference to making sure that slavery would come to an end in the courts and in the legal system. And we could spend more time, but many who understand what he did when he freed the slaves in the Emancipation Proclamation, that was actually a legal trick. He only freed slaves because they were property, and under his authority he could seize the property that that was in of a warring state. He could seize the property, and that's what he did. He said, okay, you states that are at war with the United States, I'm using my my executive privileges, and I'm seizing those slaves. Because you say the property, fine, I'm seizing that property. And I'm declaring in the rebel states, they're free. There were four states that had slavery, but had not seceded. He didn't free those slaves. And people don't realize he was using every legal trick that he possibly could because he had the federal government in his hands. And that's what you're seeing now with these guys, because I'll be honest with you, I'm perfectly honest. I know I know a lot of people with dementia that are older. You and I know that. I've worked in the elderly community. So I'm not picking on Joe because of his, his age or his senility. It's because of his policies. He's not failing. He's not losing popularity because he's old. He's losing popularity because of the policies, and those clearly are being directed by somebody else. He's being influenced by progressive ideologues who believe in forcing their will on the American people. Oh, undoubtedly so. I mean, we run into yeah. cases where there's been examples of progressives extremely upset with Joe Biden because they feel he hasn't done enough to push their progressive agenda. And, uh, you know, clearly we think that the, the president's a man of his own and makes these decisions on his own. That's no more true of Joe Biden than it was of Donald Trump, that there are always frequently advisors and influencers and supporters that help to guide and steer policy making, and uh, clearly this is an effort to try and and at least uh, ease a little bit of the burden, the pain of the Supreme Court decision that's felt by progressives who wish to see abortion available free, easy for any reason at any time under any age, um, to to sort of try and and uh, address uh, their their their. Um, agony and frustration over the high court decision. But as Brian points out, while it might not happen immediately, over time there's a strong likelihood that a court will reverse this because of its outright violation of the Hyde Amendment. Brian Johnston unpacks these issues and more in greater depth every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. on Life Matters. We invite you to tune in for his program. Meanwhile, to find out more how to be involved on the front lines in the effort to um, address the challenges that the unborn are facing, yet still, particularly in cases like California. Information available on the web at californiaprolife.org. That's californiaprolife.org. Our thanks to Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, for that update. 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. After the events of the January 6th of a couple of years ago, we've seen increased scrutiny in terms of who gets involved in public protests of what sort and um, whether or not this seems to uh, sort of fit the dialogue as to what is expected in terms of one's level of, uh, of profession. Now, to be sure, um, the issues or the events of January the 6th are, are, are far different, perhaps, than just the average individual speaking out and exercising their First Amendment rights. The U.S. Supreme Court has long and repeatedly held that the freedom of speech rights, the First Amendment rights, of public employees are no different than the rest of us. Now, can the police department say to a police officer, you can't participate in uniform? Absolutely they can. But can they insist that their peace officers or a school insist that their teachers not exercise their First Amendment rights? The high court says no, but if a particular proposal making its way through the legislature here in California gets its way, that might run directly in the face of the First Amendment. Joining me now with some insights regarding Assembly Bill 2547 is Greg Burt, Director of Capital Engagement for the California Family Council. And Greg, while I get at a level that, you know, some of these communities, they're trying to protect the image of the police department, teachers, the fire department, whatever the case may be, what I don't understand is what what makes anyone, particularly in this case, the legislature, think that somehow because you are a public employee that you no longer have constitutional rights? Um, it, it, it seems as though the legislature up here really believes once you become a public employee that they have the right to control not not just what you're doing on the job, which is more understandable, but what you're doing in your private life, right? And they're trying to root out what they think is bias, bias, implicit bias, uh, explicit bias, right? But when... Uh, and and they're and we're talking about regulating bias that they see in your speech, right? Speech that you um, express online or <laughs> in public or maybe uh, on the radio, um, and that's where they run into uh, problems. Um, last year they tried something similar. There was a, a legislator out of San Jose, Ash Cara, uh, um, and he was going to root out hate out of um, the police department, and uh, he didn't want any groups to be affiliated with any hate groups. But when he defined what the hate group was, the definition was so broad that it uh, included uh, uh, officers' membership in groups that had uh, that didn't believe in abortion, uh, that didn't believe uh, in gay marriage, or a blonde didn't particularly um, uh, believe it's in the binary nature of gender, uh, it belonged to a conservative church, even belonged to the Republican Party. That was, that was going to be part of what a hate group was. And so uh, we pushed back on that, and he ended up very narrowing the definition of what hate was, and he later abandoned the bill. But this time, this bill, um, they wisened up, and they simply said that bias is going to be defined um, later by uh, Governor Newsom's Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training. 
right? <laughs> so uh, you don't get down to the nitty gritty of telling people what bias means, right? But it does. It, it, the the definition is supposed to include um, uh, conduct that may occur in public or online or on social media. And it, uh, it says, uh, bias conduct includes conduct resulting from implicit and explicit biases. Right? And if that sounds vague, it is. Well, this and almost it, seems it, like a blank <laughs> check in that regard. I mean, when, when you say that, well, they've softened the language, but indicated that the determination of what so-called bias conduct is will be uh, provided later on. Once the bill is passed, signed in the law, and then a governor, he's got the commission that's going to come up with the definitions here. That sounds like a blank check to me. Well, yeah. So and what that ends up doing is it, 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 per, it's, I mean, if you're a police officer and you don't know what the definition of bias is, what are you going to do? You're going to just shut up. <laughs> Why risk your job by expressing your views online on any topic that's maybe controversial because that's what freedom of speech is supposed to protect, controversial viewpoints. Um, you're just going to be quiet. Right? And so that's how freedom of speech is uh, limited and that's how it's attacked. Um, and that's why, you know, we really got to stand up against this. And again, you know, no, nobody here is arguing the notion that there is, um, uh, you know, f- free open exercise, say whatever you want, doesn't matter whether you do it in uniform, out of uniform, uh, you know, you, you have a right to say whatever you wish. No, no, but nobody's saying that that's okay. And I think it, it certainly makes sense for a police department or a school district or any employer, for that matter, to be able to have some say-so in the public conduct of its public employees when they are publicly affiliated or associated with. So if you're in uniform, I think that indeed the police department can say, hey, there are certain types of behaviors that we want you to shy away from. But that doesn't mean that somehow because you're a public employee that you check your First Amendment rights at the door when you accept the job. And clearly the intent of AB 2547 is to try to, as I suggested a moment ago, give the government a blank check, allow them to write up the rules, uh, you know, ad hoc, whenever they feel like changing them, suppose that can also be changed too, and it can go everywhere from significantly, uh, shall we say, controversial speech, like, say, a peace officer advocating for uh, the support of the KKK, something something really outlandish of that sort. And, you know, I, I, maybe a majority of Californians might argue, yeah, we don't want that happening. But, but what happens when the argument is, well, the police officer officer, um, you know, was asked to pray during his church service, and everybody in church knows that he's a police officer with XYZ City, and, uh, you know, we, we wish to remain religious neutral, and therefore that is a violation of the bias conduct policy, and that officer would be in trouble. Can you imagine? And yet that's exactly the intent of this bill, and we want to encourage you, um, even though that it has been somewhat softened, uh, as Greg Burt suggests, but actually in a bit of a tomfoolery way that there's even greater latitude allowed. Vote for the bill and we'll figure out what's in it later. Dangerous at every level. We want to encourage you to contact your member of the California State Legislature and urge he or she to vote no on Assembly Bill 2547. Um, That is Assembly Bill 2547. It's just, you know, Talk about sort of rebranding modern-day McCarthyism. It's really remarkable 
how, uh, how far down the slippery slope we have been headed. This bill has been recently reintroduced, as we mentioned, and even with the softened language, it's no better than it was before. A no vote, urge your member of the California State Legislature, a no vote on AB 25. 47. Our thanks to Greg Burt, Director of Capital Engagement with the California Family Council, online at californiafamily.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation here on this Thursday edition of Lifeline. We've been um, talking over the last several weeks related to the broader issue of um, not only addressing the decision by the high court related to abortion, but most importantly, uh, the fact that there are young women, that whether or not abortion is legal in America, legal in California, it doesn't matter. Um, Unplanned pregnancies will still happen. And when they happen, will there be someone there to provide encouragement and support and to stand with that young lady and support them and not judge them? And... um, I think in many real respects, one of the reasons why women so often feel as if they've had no option but to follow through with an abortion is just that, the lack of sense of support to be with them in going through that experience. So what does this look like in terms of practical ways in which we can make a real difference in the lives of young women that are facing these critical, potentially life-altering Decisions. Well, Alan Cronover joins us now. He's an education volunteer and board member with Real Options. He's a Bay Area business owner for well over two decades. And Alan, thank you for taking some time to be with us today. I, I'm, I'm curious. First, you you serve on the board, but you're also a volunteer. Why do you volunteer? Well, I want to have a direct impact on kids, and um, yeah, I just have. Um, yeah, just a real love for them and, and want to help them make good decisions. And I know how powerful a good decision can be by uh, a young person because, you know, my my mother was a 17-year-old and she made a decision, you know, a very brave decision to um, to have a baby and uh wasn't easy for her. You know, her my biological father was 24 and at the time abortion was illegal and so they drove all the way to Oregon to the back door of a doctor's office who was doing abortions and it's amazing Greg that she walked all the way up to the door and I was saved by eight inches the width of the threshold she walked all the way up to the door and at that moment she turned and looked at my biological father and said I'm not doing this I can't do this and uh yeah in fact I remember my biological father told me this I was like dude (laughs) I, I forgive you I love you but that was a close one you know and um, so anyways, I'm lucky to be alive, and I just want to help other people make choices. And because of that great choice, I've got two great kids and beautiful grandkids and, you know, their stories. I mean, I mean, just I don't want to belabor this, but this really cool story of my son. Um, he was studying the EMT, and he was at a jack-in-the-box, and there was a motorcycle accident. And he ran out there, and somebody was jaw was broken or kind of drowning in their own blood he knew enough to turn the person's head and evacuate that until the paramedics got there and basically save someone's life so just you know we the real options believe that you know people are important and uh, if it wasn't for that brave young lady 
uh, you know, that kid's life wouldn't have been saved and his family. So it just it goes on and on. And so it's just so important, this work, that, you know, these fetuses are real people. We're not just saving fetuses. We're saving, like, real people that have a real purpose that are going to live lives. And um, uh, I hope I'm not being too passionate. But anyways, we I'm there because I want them to have a chance at life, too. And that at life, too, that two part, the T-O-O, is so critically important because, as you point out, in your own life story, Alan, I mean, you, you were you were about a doorknob turn away. That's right. From never having been here, from never having uh, lived or loved or raised a family of your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I, th- I think that really underscores um, that this is a real fight. This is a real battle. And, you know, yes. we oftentimes think about this in, in political terms, but I've, I've been really trying to sort of reorder the thinking of many of my listeners by seeing this not in political terms, but in people terms. Amen. That's so right. And that these are real lives that are dealing with real decisions that mm-hmm. literally can be a doorknob turn away from making the right decision or the wrong decision and its implications either way that literally are for eternity. And so, you know, I think at the end of the day, making sure that there's not only voice given on behalf of the unborn, but to the mothers and the fathers who find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy, they're scared, they're confused, they are perhaps feeling pressure in multiple directions. It's not a good time. We don't have enough money. What do my parents say? It'll interrupt my, my school education. Uh-huh. It will put my, my plans for my career, uh, you know, uh, if not on hold, perhaps derail them altogether. So the, all of these factors are coming in and creating almost a pressure cooker um, of stress that young people, typically young people, are having mm-hmm. to deal with. And it isn't any wonder that the abortion industry couches this in terms that seem to to make it easier for a couple, for a mother, to, to decide to end a pregnancy because it just seems to be the easier way out when, in fact, um, it really hides or masks the complexity uh, of, of that mm-hmm. decision and the tremendous loss that results. Well, you know, what you just said made me, you know, just think of the fact that, you know, when I talk to some of these kids, you know, like high schoolers, uh, I'll say, you know, I don't know what your name is, and I'll pick one out of the crowd, and I go, but if someone put a gun to your head and said, you know, either you do nine months in jail, or I'm going to take this young person's life, I'd say, I'd like to think I'd do nine months in jail, and it's like, you know, my mom took nine months of her life for me, and later, she still went on with her life. She made a good decision, and she went on and became a... I like a supermodel. She was on the cover of GQ, cover of Glamour. Um, you know, like she still had her dreams come true, but she felt really good about the decision. And I would go on to tell you more good fruit from that decision, but we don't have time. But um, yeah, it's such a, a bit, it's a win-win for everybody if they're not walking in fear. And I think the the abortion industry feeds on fear. 
just like the devil does. Yeah, undoubtedly so. And 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 that fear begets confusion, and that confusion oftentimes clouds one's thinking, and suddenly you make a decision that is based in fear, not based in reality, not based in clear mm-hmm. thinking. And uh, right. these are decisions, and I you know I don't have to explain that to anyone in this audience. These are decisions that will have a ripple effect for eternity dependent upon Mm -hmm. how that decision comes down. With me today is Alan Cronover. Alan is a board member of Real Options. He's also an education volunteer. We're going to talk more about that, too, and that component of of education. What exactly does that mean, and why is it so critically important, particularly today? We'll get to that part of our dialogue as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Alan Cronover is with us today, board member and education volunteer with Real Options. Information available, by the way, on the web at realoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. And and I'm curious, Alan, you just prior to the break mentioned about your passion for education. And, you know, in many Mm -hmm. respects, that really is the key here, isn't it? That, you know, at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, young women, young men that find themselves in unplanned pregnancies – um, they are capable of making the right decision, much as your mother made the right decision, even mm-hmm. as she got to the cusp of opening up that door and, and perhaps doing something very different. And yet she ultimately mm-hmm. made the right decision. And i got to believe in many ways um, when we equip people with knowledge – that gives them a foundation upon which they can make the right decision. What has been absent from this argument for so many years, and intentionally so, has been knowledge, has been information. And let's face it, those that that stand to politically or, more accurately put, economically benefit from abortion have done their utmost best to try and deprive women of knowledge and the ability to make an informed decision. Well, you're completely right. We can't underestimate the power of truth. I and mean, I think it's a remarkable fact that, you know, 85% of women who do an ultrasound and see the baby in their womb do not go ahead with abortion. These are abortion-minded people. But when they see the truth, you know, the truth sets them free to make a good decision that's healthy for them and for their child. Because that's the reality. That's their child, and they're their mother. And so, you know, truth is powerful, and yeah, we just want to love people and help them make good decisions. There's, there's really no pressure at Real Options, and by the way, let me say, it's been a privilege working with the crew at Real Options. I met some of the sweetest and then also most intelligent men and women, uh, most loving. I mean, God's put together a very just qualified and, um, yeah, just amazing crew there, and um, and so... Yeah, it's, uh, they do, you know, you can feel safe reaching out and getting the education that's provided by Real Options. And, um, you know, our goal is to have a safe place for, you know, everybody, men, women, students, to come and get the facts, the real truth that's not clouded or twisted by people's political agenda or by the enemy, but just coming out of a place of truth and love. And, you know, like you're saying, it's not religious, it's, it's not political, it's people. I mean, you go into one of our counselors, you get people caring about people, and we go into the classrooms, that's the same, um, you know, that's the same spirit we go in. And, and so, you know, my burden, a new burden I've really gotten recently, the more I've gotten involved, is I've seen the pain this causes every age, but, you know, especially young men and women who kind of are not 
they're not capable of making the best decisions. Their brains are not fully developed. They're young. They're immature. And for them to sort of live with the, the consequences of such a, you know, a decision like abortion, I, I want to see them spared from that pain. And um, so basically the, the goal of our education is to catch them upstream, like you said, give them good information, empower them. And, you know, kids don't have the experience we do, but they're just as smart as we are. And if we give them the truth, they, they can hear it. They know it. And it's going to help make good decisions. And so, you know, basically, um, you know, we want to empower them through preventative education so they can avoid unplanned pregnancies and other consequences. And that's completely different than what they get at school. You know, the California Youth Health Act, which is mandated, doesn't teach risk avoidance. They're just, you know, risk reduction. It's like telling a teenager, hey, you know, you know, instead of telling a teenager don't drink and drive, like, well, just drink less. <laughs> you know, reduce your risk. Uh, and we teach sexual integrity, like, you know, saving the best, Self for your future husband and family or wife, and um, you know don't make decisions based on you know the the, the healthy youth act is telling kids to you know sexual discovery try this try that if you don't know what you like you know experiment with these different sexual acts with these different people and it's just it's suicide I mean it's a train wreck and um, and the consequences just yeah are just horrendous so anyways um, you know we have you know it's we have, you know, healthy, uh, you know, optimal health, healthy sexual uh, sexuality, healthy relationships is what we promote in our education at Real Option. So I think it's so, so important. I mean, I'd rather save somebody upstream because by the time they get there and they're actually pregnant and everything, it's like we're going to do our best to help them with the consequences. They can still make good decisions. Their dreams can still come true. But we'd all much rather, and you know, we've all experienced bad decision-making our lives, and boy, wouldn't we love to have avoided some of those. Absolutely. And, and you know, to put this in context for listeners, we, we know that parents on an increasing basis are more and more dis, uh, disconnected from their children. A lot of that has to do with the pace of life and uh, families where there have to be two incomes in order to make ends meet, and mom and dad are coming and going, and the kids are kind of, you know, raising themselves, and when they're not being raised by themselves, they're being raised by the media and by television and so forth. And so, sadly, the ability to impart many of these values, these lessons, is, is mm-hmm. becoming more and more infrequent. And and as a result, yeah, they say it takes a village. Well, the village ends up raising your kid and not you. And so what's the consequence to that? Well, the consequence to that is you wind up with incorrect perspectives on biblically-based moral values, and then when some people come on and say, hey, it's your life, live it, children heed that advice, and in the values vacuum that has become their life, then make some very poor choices. So education is critically important, and that's where you can get involved. In fact, um, Real Options is looking for education contractors to become a part of the education team. You'll be trained. You have the opportunity to then be able to impart knowledge to young people and uh, to be able to help a growing number of students that they're working with um, from school year to school year. If you'd like to get involved in volunteerism, with Real Options, simply go online to friendsofrealoptions.net and let them know. There's information available there on the website as to how you can get involved. You can also easily send an email to 
outreach at realoptions.net and just say, hey, I heard Alan's conversation with Craig about volunteering and being able to make a difference and educate young people. How do I get involved? Again, online at friendsofrealoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. Your chance to volunteer, impart knowledge and wisdom, show some love, and most importantly, make the difference in the life of a young child. Alan Cronover, thank you so much for being with us on this edition of Lifeline. By the way, i got to mention that telephone call a minute ago. You won't believe who that was. Jordan Michaels. She forgets what I do from 5 until 7. Make a note there, would you, Nate? About 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, I need to get the phone ringing in the studio. Call her and say, hey, what you doing? (laughs) It's just a skosh before 6 o'clock. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.